0: Today's episode is all about the air squat, probably the most important movement we coach in CrossFit. Fern and I talk about that. What is more important, the air squat or the deadlift? Let us know your opinion. But today's focus is primarily on teaching, and the big lesson you're going to hear from us is get your athletes moving, talk less, move more. And I'm sure if you stop and evaluate your own coaching, your own classes, you might find there are days and times where you just talk too damn much. So check yourself on that because your athletes wind up learning. They wind up improving their mechanics by moving themselves. So we're gonna teach you how to approach the air squat from stance to the points of performance to common faults you're gonna see. I've heard it referred to as the handshake of CrossFit and it's because it's important. I don't want to wipe my mom's ass one day. And I know in order for me to prevent that, she needs to be able to squat. So whether you're teaching your mom or whether you're teaching a games-level competitor, the air squat is of the utmost importance. As Coach Glassman says, if you can't squat, you're functioning at a fraction of your athletic potential. So check it out. Today's episode all about the air squat. All right, Fern and I are back. The next episode, best hour of their day. Fern's rocking the Dave Castro hat today. I like it.
1: I'm trying to channel my inner the Dave Castro. You know,
0: what? what's cool is every year after we judge at the CrossFit Games, Dave gives us a little gift, you know, only to the judges. We got the hats last year. What did we get? The Didn't he give us a shirt or something the year before?
1: It was shirts the year before. Uh, last year, we also got coins.
0: Yeah, we got the... You know, one thing that happens at the games is all the different departments get, what do they call those, like battle coins?
1: They're called challenge, well, in the military, they're called challenge coins.
0: Challenge coins. so if you're a volunteer, you get the volunteer one. If you're a judge, you get the judge one. Athletes get them as well. And we got one, not just for judging, but then Dave made a special one that was just, it was like all black, like matte black finish. Pretty badass.
1: It's pretty badass. I have it, I have a, uh, in my... We have a lounge at our gym, and uh, in there I have uh, competition, 25 games, plate, and then on all of the bolts on there, I have glued my judge's coins, and it's hung on the wall, and then I have his hung on uh, kind of like the outer green part of it. It looks pretty badass, honestly. So. Yeah,
0: I like it. Um, it's been a great... Couple weeks so far, we've been getting amazing feedback on the podcast, and I just wanted to kick off this one with another review. Guys, if you're listening, please leave us a review. This comes from CF Trainer. I wonder what the CF stands for. The Podcast for CrossFit Trainers. I routinely search for podcasts that have top CrossFit trainers as their guests, and while learning about their personal lives or athletic backgrounds is interesting for some, I want to know their coaching development and how... And what they do to better themselves for their athletes, and this is a usually only a small aspect of all episodes. Not with this podcast, it's all about the coaching, developing yourself as a coach, and digs into the little details such as the whiteboard brief. Any trainer on the pursuit of excellence should take a listen. That's,
1: that feels pretty good. That feels. I've got to say, like I got tingly I got goosebumps. I got goosebumps there. good. I mean, that's the point though, that and I think that well, that was exactly what we set out to do because that you and I want that. So selfishly yeah. we do this,
0: yeah, I love chatting with you about this. Truth is we were doing it prior to having you know, prior to hitting the record button, so we may as well record it and put them out there. And I, I love all the feedback we've been getting. When I get a message in our Instagram best hour of their day, It's really just awesome. Like, hey, what you said resonated or I love getting, I changed my whiteboard brief. I had someone that filmed their whiteboard brief, sent it, and I just love seeing people improve. That's what this is all about. And, you know, if we're impacting somebody and they're impacting somebody, we're we're doing the right things. And today we're going to be super impactful because we're going to dive into the air squat.
1: Arguably the most functional movement you could possibly ever train.
0: Well, well, that's a good way to kick it off. Is it the most functional movement?
1: It's probably a toss up between that and a deadlift, but uh, they're interchangeable. You you know, just like we talked about in level one, you're going to be hard pressed to navigate a day without doing one of those two things in some capacity.
0: Yeah, and if we talk about universal motor recruitment pattern, they're very, very similar. You know, they're hinging at the hip. One's bending over a little more. One's you know sending your butt back and down, but they're It's not as if you're gonna. I'm only going to do the air squat. If you do that, you're also developing your deadlift.
1: Correct, and I think also from from a practical standpoint, coaches need to understand, and we have to understand that teaching people how to squat correctly. This might sound like an overstatement, but it's not. Does have profound impact on people's lives. Like if they move better, they can function better, and when they function better, they can interact with their environment better. And when they can interact with their environment better they can live and longer on their own and do a, a lot of other things. So it's not just, Hey, I need a heavy back squat. That's, that's not what it's all about. There, there's more, there's more on the periphery that's that's arguably far more important.
0: Yeah. In 2008, coach Glassman was on tour like stopping at boxes and he, and he stopped at a local box and I went to to chat with him and I remember him saying something like, I wouldn't cross the street to watch a two minute Fran but I would cross the street to help someone improve their squat. And, and that was really, I was like, really? You wouldn't want to see that two-minute Fran. And now, like 10 years later, I'm the same way. I'm like, I don't care about these really fit people. Like, I just want to change people's lives. And like you said, if you improve someone's squat, you've truly improved their life. I mean, if you take someone that can't squat below parallel and get them below parallel, you're, you're impacting them for decades.
1: I mean, there's large argument that if they, if that scenario unfolded, you probably prolonged their ability to live on their own for five to 10 years.
0: And that's, you know, living in Florida, I see, you know, all these old people and I see the assisted living, you know, I've been there, I have a relative and one, and it's sad because a lot of these people are just like, mentally, they're there, like they're there mentally, they're there. I was at an assisted living home, and they're sitting in chairs kicking a beach ball. I'm like, if I'm 80 and this is what I'm doing, just shoot me in the head. Like, this is not what I want. Like, and it's only because they can't do these movements. Let's let's dive let's dive into this. You know, we're not going to talk about how we cue and correct just yet. I think we're going to focus specifically on. How do we teach the air spot, the air squat, best practices, mistakes we make? So I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. You know someone walks into your box, what what's your rule of thumb to get started?
1: And this is not just with the air squat, this is with anything. I just want to get them moving with the with the least amount of teaching on the front end possible, particularly for what we would describe as the more basic movements, squat press and deadlift they're fairly intuitive so i just want to see them do it how they would normally do it from there now i can start to craft my plan on what i'm going to do but what i'm not going to do is go into this long diatribe about the mechanics of the squat and levers and torque and Posterior chain engagement. I'm not going to talk about any of those things. I'm going to tell them roughly where to put their feet and roughly is an important piece there. And then I'm going to have them squat. And from there, I'm going to start getting the pieces of information I need in order to craft that plan.
0: Yeah. You've heard it from all the best coaches that we've had on the show. Keep it simple, stupid. And you know, one of the most common errors I see from a coaching perspective is too much teaching. It's like, hey, here's what we're doing. Demo the movement. I always say do two, one, one at one angle, one at another, and, and get them moving. But I don't, like you said, we don't need to talk about line of action. We don't need to talk about knees, tracking the toes, because if I'm doing this well and fixing you, it's happening. The, one of the biggest pet peeves I have watching coaches, and tell me what you think about this, and this is any movement, like you said, is, all right, here's the air squat. I want this to happen. Here's what I don't want.
1: Oh, this, this,
0: this. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, these people didn't even know that was possible until you started showing them what they could do wrong. And then by the time they got to the movement, they've probably forgotten which one you want and which you don't. I relate everything to marriage. You know, my wife just tells me, wash the dishes. She doesn't say, don't do it this way. Don't do it that way. Here's what you need to do. Do it. What's your opinion on that?
1: Yeah. She definitely doesn't say, don't leave your dirty dishes out. She just says, Wash your damn dishes. Exactly. So from so there's a couple things. So we'll go back to that to that teaching. And I, I think when we all get nerded out on coaching, we feel the need to unload a lot of information on people. You know, we feel it's important because it is important. And as a professional, you do need to know those things. You do not, however, need to convey all of that information to the athlete standing in front of you. So if you're looking for a pretty practical metric for are you teaching too much. If you're teaching most movements, shit, we could probably say all, if you can't get people moving under 60 seconds, you're, you're doing too much talking on the front end. Guys, here's the movement. Here's one or two things I want you to concentrate on. Let's go and start them moving. And the way I like to describe this is I like to talk about, I like to describe it. Like there's kind of two pieces to this equation. So there's teaching and then there's coaching. Teaching is largely you talking. Coaching is largely that athlete moving and you seeing and correcting. In the classroom, if you're looking for like rough percentages, it should be something to the tune of 30% teaching and 70% coaching. And I see it far the other direction where it is way more teaching and not enough coaching and again coaching is equivalent to them doing
0: yeah and and i agree with you and i think it's for this reason and you know i, I want to hear what you think i i think it's because i can learn this i can memorize this and i can repeat this coaching is seeing and correcting there's it's very hard to practice that in your living room reading a book right so it's like the yeah. equivalent of i can go <laughs> read a fiction novel and repeat what happened actually diving deep into it and having a conversation about it is the challenging part. So it's like the air squat. Hey, I want these points of performance. I don't want to see these things go wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Now we're talking, 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 but then someone moves and you're like, Oh shit, I don't know what I'm seeing. That's the hard part, but that's how you get better at it also.
1: Yeah. And I think what's important is, and from my experience observing, you know, a lot of coaches teach, is that there is a misconception that by teaching a lot or talking a lot, that I'm somehow going to hedge my bet on people's poor movement. And it's not going to. People are going to move poorly regardless. So just accept that and get to the act of fixing their movement as fast as possible. And remember, for people that think, hey, these movements are complex and they're dangerous, A, no, they're not dangerous. But B, they're only as complex as you make them. And we're not talking about people moving with load. So just have them start moving and get to the business of seeing and correcting movement and make their movement better. So talk less, make them move more, watch their movement, figure out what your plan of action is in in order to get them moving better than where they started.
0: All right, so let's dive in. You know, the air squat, we like to say at our level ones, you know, four of these movements have progressions meaning the push press, the jerk, the sumo, deadlift, and the med ball clean have very specific progressions that you'll see every weekend around the world by the red shirts. Now, the air squat doesn't. So there, you kind of have some freedom in how you go about teaching it. What's, what's your go-to method? I, I would assume there are times it goes differently just based on who you're with. But what's, what's Fern's way of teaching the air squat?
1: First thing I do is I just tell them where I want their feet. And then we go, I mean, and that might sound overly simplistic, but I just tell people, hey, put your heels roughly shoulder width apart, turn your toes out slightly and let's squat, you know, and I'll talk to them real quick to keep about keeping their midline tight, you know, pat your belly, growl like a bear. That's a CrossFit kids cue. Um, And what's important to note about that, because this is where they're, and this is where the whole conversation about getting people to squat, I think gets derailed and it starts at the feet. How wide should their feet be? What angle should the foot be at? And my contention to all of that is, you don't fucking know. You haven't seen them do anything yet. So to assume that I can put somebody in what I would consider to be an advanced setup with a completely straight foot in order to try to get torque at, that, at the base of the stance is largely not going to happen with the vast majority of people. So the stance and the setup that we recommend is what I think Bobby Millsaps told me this. If you guys don't know Bobby Bill Millsap, she's going on some of our staff forever. She's awesome. And she was like, hey, most cubed, the most cubed method, meaning like start somewhere that works for most athletes most of the time in most positions. And then from there, make your changes moving forward.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I find myself saying that a lot to answer questions. I'm like most people, most of the time, you know, that's what you need to be thinking about. And I would tell you this as a coach, if you ever find yourself using the word torque, you should stop coaching right then, you know, take a breath. I'm not saying stop coaching. I'm saying, realize you just said the word torque, take a breath and figure out what you could have said better. Cause I'm 40 years old and I'm unsure what torque means. And I've been coaching a really long time. So, (laughs) (laughs) so I would say, okay, stop. And it's funny because, you know, you and I are the same. It's like get the athletes moving. For me, again, it's agreed. I'm like, hey, go about shoulder width. And I say, like, look, I'm going to adjust you if we need it. But here's what I know. I need your weight in your heels. I need your knees tracking your toes. I need midline stabilization. I need your ass below your knees. And if you can do that with your feet touching, cool. If you can do that with your feet seven feet apart, that's cool, too. I doubt that's going to happen. So let's start about here. And if we, you know, yeah. that,
1: that'll work. Yeah. And again, I think, I think, again, going back to people who are trying to hedge their bets on poor movement. It's just not going to happen. If it does, great. But the point is, you're trying to develop a coaching strategy that works regardless of who's in front of you. And that meaning, that coaching strategy has to be fairly broad in nature. It can't be super specific because the more specific that that coaching strategy becomes, the more limiting it becomes with regard to the athletes that are standing in front of me, because there will be a larger and larger portion of those athletes that fall outside of the ability to execute what I'm asking them to do. So put them in something general, have them move. And then from there, start figuring out what needs to happen. And that looks like what are the points performance of the squat Do I have those? And if I don't, which ones don't I have? And now I can start crafting my plan for the squat. So start at the feet, have them make sure that they're keep their belly tight, have them move. And then from there, I can look at that stance looks a little bit narrow based on where their shoulders are. They're starting to round their back at the bottom of the squat. Maybe they should come out of that. The knees are tracking in. So maybe I do start to play around with this, the angle of the foot, but I think from a coaching standpoint, you should be basing your strategy on the athlete's movement, not on some specific elaborate thing that you designed because everybody's different. We all know that anthropometrics on everybody are different. Like you're clearly not tall. So your stance might be a little and I don't mean that in a harsh way, Jay. No, take
0: it. I'm not tall. You're right. I realize it now.
1: (laughs) But you know, I think if you if you look at it much more objectively and say, I'm going to coach this athlete based on their movement. I'm going to have a coaching plan based on this athlete's movement. What do they move like? What do I need to fix based on their movement? Based on the five objective criteria, right? Do I have neutral spine? Is the weight in the heels? Do I have good line of action? Is there appropriate range of motion? Are the knees tracking with toes? That's it, right? And that can look like a lot of things on different athletes. So stop for a second. One second, so
0: I want people listening to realize, Fern and I didn't prep for this chat. I wasn't like, hey dude, make sure you write down the points of performance so you can spout them out at some point. That's something that we have in our head. So if you're listening to this and you can't repeat back what Fern just said, which are the five points of performance of the air squat, there's your first step in teaching. Go home, learn those. When I was growing as a coach, I repeated over and over, heels, knees, depth, arch, line of action. Heels, knees, depth, arch, line of action, which are my five ways of memorizing those five, five points of performance. Because now I know where to look also. We're not diving into seeing in this episode, but now I at least know what to teach. Okay, heels, how do I teach that? Knees, how do I teach that? Depth. So you need to remember that. If you want to remember it the way I just said it, the way Fern said, if you have a, a new way, go... Go download, you know, the, the level one manual or go watch, you know, James Hobart on YouTube, demonstrate the air squat.
1: Now, and and I, I don't think it matters what your process is or how you remember them. The fact is you either know them or you don't. It's a pretty binary scenario.
0: So let, let me ask you a super simple question. We're teaching. Again, we're only focusing on the teaching. Some, somebody's new. How do you even convey take your feet shoulder width apart? Because to us, it's like okay, that makes sense. I know what that is. But mom walks in, she, you know. I've said I've said shoulder width apart, and I've gotten feet, you know, side by side, and I've gotten feet way too far away. Do you have like a, a method that you you get people to do
1: that? So there's one or two ways I think you could do this. You could just tell them that and see where they go, and then and then immediately go into coaching. And I'll say, Susie, bring your feet in. Bob, move your feet out. Your 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 shoulders are wider than that, or your shoulders are narrower than that whatever it may be in the CrossFit kids course what they'll do is they'll tell everybody all right guys stand up go ahead and put your thumbs on your shoulders now go ahead and put your heels directly underneath your thumbs so it's just a really simple way to get people there pretty quickly but the point is it doesn't really matter if it's too narrow or too wide just fix it yeah hey, wide not hey bring it in now we move you know it doesn't have to be i don't need a protractor to make this happen i just have to be pretty damn close and then again moving forward based on what the squat actually looks like i'll make the adjustments
0: is it a problem that i can't get my thumbs to my shoulders i was trying to do that as you said it my biceps are too big is that what it is
1: they're they're definitely not too big
0: (laughs) so you know for me i agree with you shoulder width is a little different my favorite cue for hip width i tell people wipe your feet and it's like magic Everybody puts their feet under their hips.
1: So, or just jump up and down real quick. Yeah, jump up
0: and down. People do that as well. You know, and the kids' course is amazing because you get these cues that you're like, oh, that's funny. That's for kids. It works just as well for adults. So, if you haven't taken the kids' course, check it out.
1: For sure. I think it's probably, and this is my guidance to people from a teaching standpoint, you should be teaching with vernacular. That is appropriate for kids. If you are oh, yeah. not, you're pro- you're probably using too much coach jargon.
0: Yeah, it was so, like EC said in her episode. She said, "Coach, like you're teaching a five year old."
1: Yeah, that's I, always been And it. Anytime I have somebody saying like things like torque and posterior chain engagement, I'm like, if w- if you told your kids torque, what would they do? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah,
0: they are look at you confused. I mean, I tell people that if you're if you're saying midline stabilization. My favorite one that people say these days is core. They scream core. I'm like, yeah, I get it, but that's stupid. So your, your athlete starts moving. Let's, let's simply talk about teaching. Obviously, what you're saying is you're, you're kind of blurring that teaching and correcting because you're basing it on what you see. But let's, let's go through. Like, imagine you just have an athlete and we'll take step by step. Someone's you know not in their, in their heels. Let's work our way up our body. So how would you go about teaching it? I'm not saying correct it. What's your your method to say, let's get our weight in our
1: heels? Yeah, so I see where you're going. So this is, and I think every coach should develop this plan for teaching. And I think of it like a layer cake. And side note, if you haven't seen layer cake with Daniel Craig, it's a hidden gem as far as movies go. You should go watch that. But you should layer these things on top of each other. And you just start at the feet. And I, my experience, and again, this is not right or wrong. You start at the feet because in my experience, you get the biggest bang for your buck once you get the feet right. If the feet are wrong or the base is incorrect, everything else is jacked up after that. The hips are going to be too far back. The knees aren't going to be able to track over the toes. A lot of the back will be rounded. A lot of things can go wrong if the setup or the stance is incorrect. So start there. Now, once I've gotten there and I tell them where I want their feet, I'm just going to move up the body and teach them one joint at a time. So once I'm good with the feet and I'm going to say, hey, keep your heels down or pull your toes up and I'm happy with that, then I'll move up to the knee and I'll tell them, I want the knee tracking over the toe. That's it. And that's what I'll teach for the next piece. And then I'll move up to the hip and then eventually I'll move up to the shoulder and then eventually maybe to the hands, depending on what the movement is if I was an overhead squat. But that's how I would do it. You know, start at the base and then move up from there.
0: That's kind of how I do it. I'm the same way as you at a level one. You know, I get people moving quickly and I'm really just analyzing, okay, what are the biggest faults I'm seeing? So where do I have to start? But all things being even, I I like to go that way. I basically work the bottom up. We know midline stabilization is the most important thing, but sometimes, like you said, if I work from the bottom up, that's going to be there when I get there. So so let's let's look through each point of performance and let's start with with feet. So for me, if you, if you're working with me, yeah, wiggle your toes. But let's let's have some fun teaching cues. So I might say something like, "Hey, if you stepped in gum and your heels stuck to the ground, what would that feel like?" Right. So do you have any for heels that you that you use like that?
1: Um, not so much for the heels. No, not so much for the heels. I just I just tell people, you know have the, have your heel down on the floor and grip the floor with your
0: toes. Yeah. I like that one too. I, I like, you know, i I always tell people like, look, this is how my head thinks, but I think like an Eagle and I think like I'm grabbing the ground. And the truth is I do yeah. that when I have a heavy weight on a bar and I'm front squatting or back squatting, I grab the ground with my feet.
1: As a- And this is a side topic. Just uh, again, we can stick with it. We could probably talk about the feet all day, but typically actually just let me ask you a question. Is there a fault that you see new coaches? Is there an error that you see new coaches make when they teach about the feet or posterior chain engagement?
0: Yeah, there's there's some faults I see. I mean, I think the the biggest one, it it can go two ways. You know, we I tell people, hey, we're wiggling the toes. That doesn't mean your toes are off the ground. That just means I want your weight back in your heels further. Now for now. I'd rather you squat with your toes up to teach you that, but ultimately I need those feet back down. So, you know, you, I see that. I don't know that that's so much a fault. The bigger fault would be people that try to get so detailed into I need, you know, 70% of your weight in your heels, 20% in the middle, 10% in your toes. I'm like, that's the fault. Get them squatting with their weight in your heels. We'll get the toes down eventually. What, what were you yeah. thinking?
1: No, that was the same thing, and that's what I thought you were going to say. And I generally like to, I like to express it this way: we we do virtually nothing athletic with our toes pulled up off of the floor. Turns out squatting is athletic, so let's be athletic. Get your toes down.
0: I like that. I've never heard that. Yeah, the only thing I do with my toes pulled up is, you know, in the bedroom, and we can't talk about that. Um, <laughs> so. Now you said you get the most bang for your buck out of the feet, and I think that's true for me. When I get people to push those knees out, that's when I see a big change in their squat. You know, not only are they recruiting that posterior chain, but they're they're also typically able to lift their chest up a little bit more. And if if you're not sure what that feels like, you know, just put your hands on your butt, drive your knees out, and squeeze it, and try to do that with your knees caved in, and it's basically impossible to squeeze your butt. So. That, that, I mean, that could be your way of teaching it, right? Put your hands, everybody, if you're listening, do it. Put your hands on your butt, push your knees out and squeeze it. Now drive your knees and try to get them to touch and try to squeeze your butt. I'm doing it right with you and I'm literally unable to do that. You know, we can dive into cues another time to get people to drive their knees out. Do you have any other ways? You know, the, other, the only other thing I sometimes do is I'll find like the crack in the mat. Like say you're using horse stall mats and yeah. And I'm like, hey, just try to spread these apart right now. And, and you know, regardless of your age or background, you understand what that means.
1: Have- and I think what's important is, if, if you guys are listening to this and you haven't picked up on this, at no point, you know, we, we've said some technical terms in here, but most of what we said has been very basic. Do this. I want this body part to go there. That is how the teaching should be. It should be very, very simple. Body part, direction, something's out of place, tell it where to go. Or if it's not out of place, just tell you, just tell the where you want it to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, that would be a whole episode for queuing, but that's what coaches, if you're like unsure, I don't know what I'm seeing. Like Fern just said, something is out of place. Fix what's out of place. Now, out, let's talk about line of action. That's a hard one for new coaches to see. But What's your go-to? I have my favorite way to teach that. What's yours?
1: So generally, so I I will approach things like this from, from the point of, I, I'm generally not going to overteach things like this. And, and, and it sounds weird, but I'm not going to teach it. I'm just going to tell them to squat. If something goes wrong, then I will teach them out of the incorrect movement. But line of action is something... You know, so if we were going to verbally describe the line of action for the squat, it would sound like this as the hips go back and down, the knees would bend. And I think one of the major errors that happens in CrossFit is people over teach the hips back. They're like, hips back, hips back, hips back. All of a sudden, an athletes in a vertical shin position, their toes pulled up off of the ground with their chest cantilevered forward, and they're in an immature squat. So, in my experience, Particularly from a new coach, don't wait out into the deep end just yet. Stay in the shallow end. Don't teach that stuff because you're gonna dig you're gonna dig yourself a hole that you can't get out of. You're gonna put somebody in a poor position. Just say squat. Squat, guys. And if I'm looking for line of action, what I'm gonna look for is are the hips and knees moving simultaneously? That's my teaching point. I want this to happen together, guys. If you're if you're if you're into music, it would be basically a one count versus a two count. If I hip hinge and then bend my knees in that sequence, that's a two count. That would be one, two. Those things would happen not at the same time. If I sit back and down and bend the knees together, that's a one count. So that's how I would that's how I would teach it if I was going to teach it, same time, guys. not one, two, one.
0: yeah, i I agree with you. It's not something you need to belabor. I suppose when I say teaching, I'm also thinking correcting, right? You see this happening. Here's how I might fix it. But if I want to use it as a teaching point, I always kind of stand in front of people. I'm like, look, when I was in the Northeast, it snowed. And when I went grocery shopping, it was, you know, shitty weather. And I wanted to get in the house as fast as I could. Turns out it's similar in Florida because it's just hot as balls. So so how many trips are we all willing to take from the car to the front door? And everybody's like, one. One. Right? So I'm loaded up with groceries, but oh shit, I left my car door open. How am I going to shut it? I send my butt back and I, you know, you'll always get some funny person that's like, kick the door. I'm like, no, I'm not kicking my car, but I'll shut it with my butt. Right. And then they kind of, they start doing it themselves and they're like, oh yeah, yeah. And I'm like, that's what I need you to do. So agreed for all of these. It's how can we keep it simple? But I teach it like, hey, mom understands that. She needs to do that. What about midline stabilization? That's the big one, right? It's, it's, the most important thing we're looking for, we wanna make sure we're maintaining that neutral spine. Again, you're not over teaching it, but when you see it go wrong and you're like, I am gonna make a teaching point out of it, how do you make that happen?
1: So in that scenario, again, simple is better because if you think about all the terms that we could use for that, it's like tight belly, uh, tight core, tight midline, midline stabilization, None of those terms have really have any meaning going back to if I'm teaching a five-year-old that is going to yield zero return for me the athlete's not going to do anything so why teach it that way to adults make it very simple and again I think I said it earlier in the podcast but I would just tell people hey I want you to slap your belly and growl you know if you're going like that you, that's midline stabilization and I don't care if they understand what the terms mean I care that they know how to do it that's that's what's far more important I don't give a shit if you know what midline stabilization means what I do care about is that you can keep yourself from going into flexion when you're moving and if I tell you to tighten up your belly like somebody was going to punch you in the stomach and that keeps you from doing that then that's a win
0: yeah I mean I walk around and you can like depending on the athletes like pat them like if you tap someone there they naturally do it tell them I'm going to kick you. I've got two of my favorite ways. Again, I take it a little extreme. I'm always like, all right guys, close your eyes. And I get the group to close their eyes. I'm like, all right, just randomly I'm going to punch one of you in the stomach. And then all of them naturally tighten up. Right. And And you
1: always take her. I'm all Betty and punch her right in the stomach. Yeah.
0: I typically, I do say like, (laughs) it's probably going to be a woman just in case you get angry. Um, (laughs) But I'll, I'll do that one. Or my other favorite is, all right guys, I get up early every day and I spend about 15 minutes flexing in front of the mirror." I was like, you guys probably do it as well. Just pretend you're flexing your abs in front of the mirror, and then they get that.
1: That's not a joke, by the way.
0: No, I get up early simply. I, you know what's funny? People are like, really? I'm like, if you watch Pumping Iron, Arnold and Joe Weider talk about how flexing makes him more muscular. So you got to flex once in a while. Any So again, this this podcast, this episode, was specifically on teaching points of the air squat. We're gonna dive into our favorite cues. We're gonna dive into you know how to where to look, how to correct. But is there anything else you would think about when teaching the air squat?
1: No, I just think simple is better. Just tell them to squat. Sometimes it's like we become stupid as coaches. You're like, I need to teach these people how to squat. I'm like, no, they got out of bed this morning. They took a crap. They got off the toilet. They sat down probably to eat breakfast. They got out of the chair, they got in their car, they sat down in the car and they got out of their car and they came into your gym. They can squat, just have them squat and then start fixing the errors that you might see based on their movement.
0: Yeah, funny funny story. I was, about once a year, my mom and her old lady friends asked me to train them. It's usually right around New Year's, you know? And so the earlier this year, and I wrote about it. I forget where I posted it, maybe on Facebook. But I, I, I wrote this story down and it was all about, they asked me to go in there and they want to learn the machines. And I'm like, fine, I'll teach you the machines. And we're on like the second or third machine. They're like, what's this one? And I was confused. I was like, I don't know. Like, I haven't been around machines in a while. I really don't know what this machine does. I was like, here's the deal. It's my mom and two women in her 70s. I was like, I coach CrossFit. I coach body movements. Like, I want you guys to be able to move your body. I was like, "Mom, I love you, but I'm not gonna wipe your ass one day. So I need you to squat." And all three of them were like, whoa, whoa, "Whoa, I can't squat! I can't squat!" And I was like, "Well, who helped you off your toilet this morning? Like, no one. So, so you stood up. So I'm like, and then you know, they're just afraid of it. And I was like, well, here's what I want. And I grabbed three benches, and I was like, I'm gonna say down. I just want you to sit to the bench, and I want I'm gonna say stand. I want you to stand up. And we did that like 15 times. And I was like, was that all right? You guys feeling okay? I'm like, I can do that. I was like, that was a squat. So you know the the word itself was intimidating to them but yeah these are you know three old ladies in their late 60s and 70s and they were squatting and then I made it better like I was like okay now this time on this set let's reach our hands up and on this set let's do this and but again these were three 70-year-old women and it wasn't I didn't talk about it I was like sit stand that's it and I loved it
1: and I think one of the takeaways here and I think you may have mentioned mentioned it on the podcast with ec but just something to consider and and evaluate yourself on if you're coaching if you're being overly wordy and you're going really into the details of some movement mechanics whatever it may be doesn't matter is that for you as the coach to look smart or is that going to somehow make the athlete move better And chances are, it's for you. And when you're coaching, if you're doing things for you, that largely is ineffective and creates a a not very comfortable environment for the athletes. So do what's best for them. And what's best for them is make it simple. Don't make people feel stupid. Make them move as quickly as possible because now they're not thinking. The less they're thinking, the easier this whole process is going to be.
0: That's where we should end. That was great. Keep it simple, stupid. If you're talking too much, I agree with you, Fern. It's for you. And I just want to move, you know, and that's whether you're teaching a movement for the first time or you're leading a class. We're there to move, we're there to move better. And that doesn't happen with you talking, it happens with you coaching. And like Fern said, there's a big distinction between teaching and coaching. This was all about teaching the air squat. And if you're, you know, teaching it well, they're moving better very quickly, which makes your job even easier. So, Let's wrap it up there, Fern. Anything else to add about the air squat?
1: No, teach people how to squat. It'll improve their lives.
0: Yeah, if you're like me, I delayed when I'm going to have to start wiping my mom's ass by a few years, you know, because she's going to squat better. I'll put her down. I told her. I said, Mom, you sneeze (laughs) wrong. You start sneezing in your 70s, you're going down. Like, you're done. DNR. So, so. Hopefully hopefully she can prolong that a little bit. But for another great episode, if you guys have feedback, if you have questions about the Air squat, we're, of course, here to help you. Uh, we, we love hearing from you, and we'll be back in a future episode of Best Hour of Their Day. Thanks again for listening to Best Hour of Their Day. Take a moment, head over to the Apple Podcast app or Spotify or Google or whatever you use and leave us a review. It really means a lot to us, and it's what allows us to spread the word. Also, share this with your friends, your family, your co-workers. Tell everybody at the box to listen to Best Hour of their day and let us know what we can do to provide you a better experience. Do you have topics you want us to talk about? People you want us to interview? We are here for you, the community. We're here to give back, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of best hour of their day.